Uh, I invite you to take your copy of God's Word today and uh, open it again to the Gospel of John, uh, still in the first chapter as we're making our way through the prologue, the introduction to John's Gospel. John chapter 1, this morning we'll be in verses 9 through 13. Uh, It seems that this far in our Christmas stroll through the early verses of John's Gospel that the end point of each sermon, of of each section that we've been working through, at least in the way of how this text intersects our lives and what it calls us to do, the end point of every sermon, it feels, has, has come to worship. That, that's, that's what we do with this. We worship Jesus, the Word, uh, to consider with awe and wonder and reverence the One who came to be born as a human at Christmas, to look at the Word, as John calls Him, the Logos, who is Jesus, and, and to adore Him for who He is and receive Him as Lord and Christ, either for the first time or in a continued manner of renewed devotion to Him. That does seem to be what John wants for us to do, though, through this whole introduction, this whole prologue to his biography of Jesus. He wants us to, even before he tells us anything else about Jesus' life and ministry and death and resurrection, John wants for us to see Jesus from the very outset, to see Him truly and to see Him clearly so that we can believe Him and worship Him. Today's passage, verses 9 through 13 of the same chapter, at least in terms of application, won't vary much from that pattern. It's a spoiler alert. That's where we're going. Though John does tell us more about who the Word is, who the Word is that was born at Christmas, that uh, born a, a human that first Christmas, he's still leading us to worship. In verses 9 through 13 of John chapter 1, John tells us that Jesus, the Word, the Logos, though he was rejected by many when he came, still gives light and life and sonship to those who receive Him by faith. The main idea of our time here in God's Word this morning is simply this, that at Christmas, the Word, Jesus, came to give those who believe Him the blessing of being God's children. When Jesus came that first Christmas, He gave, He came to give those who believe in Him the blessing of being God's children. Understanding that there are two responses to Jesus, as we'll see in this passage, rejecting Him or receiving Him, I intend today that we would receive Him with joy and that we would receive Him with worship and that we would glory, that we would exult in the fact that He has made sons and daughters of God of all who believe Him. Let's stand together as you are comfortably able uh, as we read John chapter 1, verses 9 through 13. John, in the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes these words, The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. This is God's Word. You may be seated. At Christmas, the Word came to give life to those who believe Him and and the blessing of being God's children. Uh, This passage breaks down into kind of two parts, the rejection of the Word and the reception of the Word. So let's look at those in the order that John uh, gives them to us. First of all, look at the Word's head-scratching rejection. 
or maybe if I were to say that in a way that people speak more commonly, the rejection, the head-scratching rejection of the word. Last week, John, the gospel writer, introduced us to the concept of the word, the logos, being the life and the light of men. In him was life, that light was the light of men, that light shines in the darkness, the darkness has not overcome it. The idea behind that uh, behind being that, that the word that Jesus is himself the author of all life and the one who alone shines light on what it means for mankind to really live and really living, living the way that God has made for us to live is to have the kind of life with God and the kind of life from God that only he, our creator, can give to us. Then we saw last week, John took a little detour, kind of a parenthesis, to remind his readers that John the baptizer, the cousin of Jesus, who came pointing to Jesus as the light and the life of the world, John was not himself the light, but he fulfilled his purpose in directing all who saw and heard him to Jesus, who is the life and the light of men. And with that, John turns back in verse 9, turns back to Jesus, the Word who now in verse 9 he calls the true light. He introduced us to the Word as having life and that life was a light of men, and now he calls the Word the true light. He calls Jesus the true light because Jesus is not an imposter. He's the real deal. He's not a counterfeit. He's the one who says all things truly, and he is the one who, when he shines on the world, produces an authentic and pure explanation and revelation of what things are. When Jesus shines the light of truth on things in the world, He shows them as they truly are. My son has a nightlight in his room that changes colors throughout the night. It's just on repeat, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, purple. Uh, there's a button on it where you can pause it on a light, but that button is, or on a color, but that button is broken, so now it just rotates through all the colors. And when the only light in his room is from that nightlight, really weird things happen to the colors of other things in his room. For instance, he has a, a yellow blanket, a yellow quilt on his bed. It's a bright yellow, like, like sunshine yellow, canary yellow quilt. And when the light shines purple, his blanket doesn't look yellow. It looks a, a sickly sort of brown. When the light shines red, that, bright, that, that, that blanket looks... Uh, 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 the blanket looks just kind of, uh, I don't know, yellowish or, or, or University of Texas burnt orange. When, it, when the light shines yellow, which is the worst color of orange. Sorry, all of you UT fans. When the light shines yellow, the blanket looks like day glow highlighter yellow. It just reflects all of the yellow even more brightly. The light itself does not reflect the true nature of the blanket because it's always shifting color and it never shines just true, pure white light. It's only when the bright light of the sun is filtering through his window that the blanket is shown in its true, bright, canary, sunburst yellow. In a similar way, John says the true light, who is the Word, who is Jesus, the true light at the birth of Jesus was coming into the world to shine light on all men. It gives light to all people, to everyone, John says. He comes to reveal what's true about each of us, to light up the shadows and outshine false perspectives and uncover every person's true colors. That's what Jesus came to do when He is the Word, came to be born as a human person. And at the same time, the true light comes not only to show everyone their true colors, but also to help everyone see the world as it truly is when we see through Him, when we accept reality for what it is as He shows us. Who in the world would not want to see rightly? 
I'm wearing glasses. Many of you are also, and you probably wish you didn't have to wear them. Who in the world would not want to see rightly? Who wouldn't want perfect vision? Who wouldn't want to perceive the world and themselves clearly and sharply and true? As it turns out, a lot of people. A lot of people would rather not see clearly. Now, not with our eyes, but with our hearts, with our souls. But most significantly, the people who should have been most ready to see Jesus or see clearly to receive Jesus were those who ultimately rejected Him. Verse, nine, uh, verse 10, excuse me, John says, He was in the world and the world was made through Him, yet the world did not know Him. Verse 11, He came to His own and His own people did not receive Him. John says that the Word who made the world, who is life and light and shows all things for what they are, came into the world and the world didn't even recognize Him. The world didn't even know Him. He came to His own people, that is, His own people, the Jews. Jesus was born into a Jewish family and they did not receive Him. The reason that the Son of God was born of a virgin Jewish young woman into a Jewish adoptive father was because the Jews were those to whom God gave the promise of a rescuer and a redeemer first. It was to the Jews that God promised a son would be born who would shine a great light into darkness. As Isaiah says in Isaiah chapter 9, a son who would rule in justice and righteousness, who would be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And Emmanuel, God with us, as Isaiah 7.14 says. So the Word, the true light that gives light to all humanity, to all people, He added a human nature to His divinity when He was born Jesus of Nazareth, a Jew. And coming into the world of His own creation filled with human beings made in His own image and to His own covenant people, the people of Israel, the true light was rejected. This becomes an ongoing theme in John's biography of Jesus in every of the Gospels. It comes out perhaps most clearly in an interaction between Jesus and some Jewish religious leaders of His day in John chapter 8, verses 12 through 19. Listen to these verses. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows Me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to Him, You're bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Essentially, they're saying, you're just saying this stuff about yourself. We have no way to know whether it's true or not. Jesus answered, if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it's not I who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law, it is written, Jesus said, that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your Father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my Father. If you knew me, you would know my Father also. His own did not receive him, John says. This is the head-scratching reality about the rejection of, of Jesus, that the people to whom God promised to shine light in darkness, those who were anticipating a Redeemer and awaiting God's salvation when He came to shine light on all people, to show things as they really are, they missed Him entirely. They were looking for someone else. They were looking for perhaps a redeemer who would look like a conquering king, a a, a warring politician, one who would rescue Israel from the, 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 the tyrannical overlordship of the Romans. They weren't expecting a teacher from Nazareth. 
Why did they not receive the true light when he came? Well, in part because they didn't like what the light was showing them. Showing them about themselves. The light was showing them about God. Returning to Jesus' nighttime conversation with another religious ruler, one of the Pharisees, in fact, Nicodemus, but one who was a little more friendly to Jesus than those in John 8. We see Jesus say this, John 3, beginning in verse 19. Jesus says, this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. People love the darkness because their works were evil, Jesus says. That's the problem with light. It brings everything out into the open. Even, maybe especially, the really bad stuff you'd rather keep hidden. The, the stuff that is better to do in darkness when no one can see and when no one is looking. Many did not receive Jesus because He shined a light on their sin and their arrogant assumptions about what the Redeemer would look like. He blows all those things out of the water to say, you're expecting, you're looking for not quite the right thing. And also, you really love your sin and you'd rather be in the darkness. Loving themselves and loving their self-assured expertise more than the true light, the religious leaders rejected Jesus when He came. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. Their rejection comes to a full head when finally Jesus is delivered over to them, uh, delivered over by them to the Romans to be crucified. His rejection goes all the way to rejection and to death. It's not uncommon to look at the rejection of Jesus as we see it happening in the Scriptures as we read through the Gospels and scratch our heads and think, why would they do that? How could they have done that? I, I, don't, I just don't get it. But friends, this is what a love of the darkness will do. It will cause you to hate the light when it comes. And a love for darkness is not just a love for evil. Darkness is, in John's gospel, a picture of life apart from fellowship with God. Darkness is not just the place where, evil men of hist- where the evil men of history live. Darkness is where all of us live apart from Jesus. The absolutely wild reality is this, that you can be a moral person You can be a good citizen. You can be a caring father, a devoted mother, a a good student, star athlete. You can make the dean's list, graduate with honors. You can be the best grandma in the world and have the t-shirt to prove it. (laughs) And still be totally lost in darkness and loving it. Because darkness is any kind of life apart from a loving relationship with the true light, with Jesus. Lots of people reject Him. Because they love the darkness. And they don't reject Him because they don't like Him. A lot of people like Jesus and don't receive Him. But they reject Him because He shines everywhere. Isn't that annoying? He shines in every nook and cranny of our hearts to reveal the ugliness that we thought we had hidden from the world. Maybe even hidden from ourselves. He shines in us in order to bring us to the understanding that for all of our best intentions and for all of our moral behavior, that we are still sinners, separated from God, with wicked, selfish motives, opposed to our Creator. The head-scratcher is that many reject Jesus, not because they don't like Him, but because they don't like what He shows us about ourselves. It's true that sometimes the truth hurts. I feel as a parent, I say that to my kids often. Sometimes the truth hurts. 
When our eyes are accustomed to the dark and we think we see clearly and the light of day comes bursting through to illuminate the ugliness around us, that light hurts our eyes. What we see in the light of day offends our senses, may even scare us, but the light shines so that we can see the way out of darkness, so that we can see the dangers that lurk there if we stay there. Sometimes for the pain that we know that truth and light will bring, we close our eyes to it all the harder. I don't want to see it. I'm afraid of what I'm going to see. I'd really rather not that be revealed about me because I don't want to believe that it's true about me. I don't want to believe that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I'm just going to keep my eyes shut to Jesus when He shines on that part of my life. The true light came to His own, John said, to His own creation and to His own people to reveal God's loving, saving arm of redemption to show them all of the danger of sin and all of the way to rescue. And His own people didn't even receive it. It's a head-scratching rejection of the Word. But on the other side of that, we have not continued bad news, but there's some good news. There's, there's not just the, the words head-scratching rejection, but we have second in verses 12 and 13, the words head-turning reception. The words head-turning reception. Verse 12 begins with a conjunction of contrast, that little three-letter word, but. He came to his own, his own did not receive him, but to all who did receive him. To all who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. The light came into the world to His own people and was rejected, but His rejection was not total. His rejection was not universal. John says in verse 12 that Jesus was not rejected by every single person in the world. In fact, many received Him. Many believed who He was. Many welcomed Him into their lives. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, after meeting Jesus in John chapter 1, rushed home to tell his brother Peter about this man he met saying, we have found the Messiah. The Samaritan woman who Jesus met at a well after talking with Jesus uh, uh, about living water rushed to her townspeople and said, come see a man who told me all I ever did. Can he be the Christ? In John chapter 9, Jesus heals a man who was born blind. The man was later accosted and insulted by the Jewish religious elite. He was thrown out of the synagogue for saying that only God could do such a thing as what Jesus had done for him. And when Jesus came to the man later, after he'd been thrown out of the synagogue, he asked if the man believed in the Son of Man, Jesus' favorite title for himself. The blind man said, who is he that I may believe? Jesus said, you've seen him, and he's speaking to you. And the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped Jesus. When Jesus said to Martha, who was grieving the death of her brother Lazarus, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She replied, yes, Lord. I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into the world. Jesus' rejection is not universal. It's not total. There are many who believe him and who receive him. Jesus is received in head-turning ways by those who believe who he is. There are more that we could consider in John's gospel and throughout the New Testament who receive Jesus, who believe Him in ways that either make people say, really? That, that, that guy? He believed? Really? Jesus came for women like that? Really? Jesus receives and is received by those kind of people? There are countless stories throughout the gospels of Jesus being received by people like that. But what is more attention-grabbing than the kinds of people who receive Jesus is what John says in verse 12, about what Jesus does for those who receive Him. 
Jesus makes those who believe in him to be children of God. To all who did receive him, who believed in his name, that is to to trust in everything that is about him, not just to trust in the the five-letter word Jesus as some sort of uh, magical token, but the name of Jesus is is to speak of all that he is, his, his reputation, his character, Uh, Everything that makes Jesus who he is, that's what it means to believe in his name. To those who believed in his name, he gave the right, the privilege, the authority to become children of God. To those who believe, John says, the true light, Jesus, the Logos, the Word, the only Son of God, gives them the right and ability and privilege to become God's children. Here at the outset of his gospel, John is beginning to, to flesh out already this aspect of salvation that we call adoption. It's the process of a person going from being a stranger and an enemy to God in their sin to being a child of God through belief, through faith, through glad reception of Jesus as Lord and King and Messiah. Back in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy chapter 14, the people of Israel whom God rescued from slavery in Egypt God calls his own children. He refers to the people of Israel as his firstborn son. He took them from being slaves and made them into his people by a means of a promise and an action to save them. Some are inclined to say of humanity today, we are all God's children. All of us are God's children. But plainly and biblically, friends, it's just not true. It is true, it is true that we all bear God's image as human beings. Absolutely. It is true that every human person, man, woman, or child, has inherent worth and dignity because of this fact that God made us in His image. And it is true that God does love all people. But it is not true that we are all children of God. Our first parents, Adam and Eve, God's first actual son and daughter, when they sinned in the garden, they brought to all humanity a sinful nature even from our birth. In our sin, Paul says, we were by nature children of wrath in Ephesians 2 verse 3. In our sin, apart from relationship with God, every person, Jew or Gentile, ancient or modern, man or woman, is a stranger and an alien to God. But the very great news of the gospel, friends, is that in Christ Jesus, the true light, the one who gives light to all people, In Him, God gives the privilege and the right to become His children by divine adoption. The Apostle Paul rejoices in this fact in this way, saying in Galatians 4, 4 through 7, hear the word of God. He says, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Father into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but a son, says Paul. And if a son, then an heir through God. Put plainly, when you come to see the truth about your sin and your need for rescue from sin by the light of Christ. And when you come to him who died for those sins and was raised from the dead, 
and you place all of your hope for forgiveness, you place all of your expectation for rescue, you place all of your trust to be made holy and all of your love for His glory, you go from being a slave to sin to a son of God, from doomed to destruction to a daughter of the Creator, from cursed in sin to blessed in Christ, from a traitor to a child of God our great Father. Friends, this is wonderful news. This is great news. This is a great privilege. And it is grounded. All of it is is resting in the power of God. John says that adoption as children of God does not come by blood, meaning not from family lineage. You're not a child of God just because your uncle was a deacon in the church and your grandma played piano every Sunday. Neither does adoption come through natural birth. Becoming a child of God is not an automatic inheritance from just from our being human. Rather, adoption, sonship, becoming a daughter of God comes by a new birth, by being born of God, John says in verse 13 of our text this morning. When we turn from the darkness of sin and embrace Christ who is the true light, God causes us to enter into a new kind of living, to be born again. To, as Jesus says, to be born from above. That language is is familiar in John's gospel. We hear echoes of that through through the rest of his biography of Jesus. But, But going again back to, we seem to find ourselves regularly in this nighttime discussion with Jesus and Nicodemus, even as we reflect on the on the prologue of John's gospel. But in John chapter three, verses three through six, Jesus says this to Nicodemus. Jesus answered him, He said, Truly, truly I say to you, unless one is born again, born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. There must be a new birth that brings us into a new family, God's family. Here we are again at this point of of the sermon series where we ask, great, Uh, we see Jesus was rejected by some, he's received by many. What hath this to do with Christmas, pastor? Today, simply this, which gets us back to the main idea, that at Christmas, the Word, the Logos, the Son of God, the, the true light, came to give those who believe Him, those who trust in Him, the blessing of being God's children. All of that is wrapped up at Christmas. Now, if I were to say this same truth, the strange way that I'm known to say things, I would say it this way. At Christmas, the only Son of God became a son to make adopted sons out of sinners. At Christmas, the Son of God became a son to make adopted sons and daughters out of sinners. This is part of the glory of Christmas, friends, that the divine Logos, the creator of the world, stepped into his creation in order to redeem his creation. That the eternal Son of God, who is one with the Father and the Holy Spirit, became human as a son to a Jewish mother, an adoptive father, in order to show us what a life of true obedience and a life of perfect fellowship with God the Father looked like, to give us a clear picture of the life we were meant for and the life that we have rejected by our sin. And this Son of God and Son of Man was rejected by His own people and killed. And in His rising from the dead, He makes a way for our souls 
dead in trespasses and sins, to be made to live again by trusting Him. This Son of God and Son of Man brings the promise of a new life, the promise of abundant life, the promise of life for the ages, eternal life, to become our reality when we believe Him. And what's more, He's come and done all of this to bring with Him to the Father many brothers and sisters. Understand, friends, when we trust Christ, we do not become divine as He is. <laughs> we are not sons of God in that sense, not even close. But we are sons, we are daughters in the sense that we receive the inheritance of resurrection as He did. We receive relationship with God by which we call on Him as Father as Jesus did. We receive the confident expectation, the hope that we will live forevermore with God, our Father and Creator, as Jesus does. The true light came into the world to reveal all that is necessary, to shine light on everything, that we might know what is necessary for us to become sons and daughters of God. And it's not by being born of a certain person. It's not by being born in a certain place and time. It's not by, by showing up in church every week, but by faith in Jesus and the power of God to make you new. He did this that first Christmas. The Son of God became a son to make adopted sons of sinners that first Christmas. And this Christmas, we rejoice in this fact. We exult in this fact. The question remains today, friends, what have you done with the true light? What have you done with Jesus? When you consider yourself, are you among those who have rejected Him? Is the light of truth too much for the eyes of your heart to bear? I hope that you'll come to know today that Jesus is the light of the world, the true light, yes, but He's also gentle and lowly. And He does not show you your sin in order to demean you, in order to beat you over the head with it, but in order to draw you away from it. Jesus is not only good to reveal our sin and our need for saving, He is also strong and kind to save in the way that He makes us holy. Are you puffed up with pride today? Thinking that your sonship to God has been by your own efforts somehow? This morning, light of the reminder that we are sons of God, not, not born by blood or the will of flesh or the will of man, but of God, be humbled this morning. Be humbled by the reminder that your salvation is God's work in you through Jesus and not by anything that you have ever done or anything that you have desired. And rejoice. Rejoice in knowing that if you are trusting God through Christ to receive the kind of life that only He can give, that there is nothing that you can do to lose it. If God is the one who gives it through faith in Jesus, if it's not by your own effort, then there's no effort of yourself that you can ever put forth to lose it. Christian, are you brought to worship this morning? Are you brought to worship with gladness? Having reflected on all that the Son of God has done to make you a child of the Father, a son of God, a daughter of God, by your faith in Christ, the adoption papers, friends, are signed. God is your Father. He Himself has ratified and sealed that relationship and nothing, because He's the one that holds it, nothing can take you from His hand. Jesus, His Son, came at Christmas to do all of this for us. For us. Like, just take a minute and reflect on that and think about who you are and think about what you did yesterday. Jesus came to, do, to save 
you who did that thing yesterday to rescue you from that sin committed this morning. Jesus came at Christmas to shine light on all things for people who didn't deserve it so that all who simply believed in him, trusted him for their forgiveness and salvation would be made sons and daughters of God. Not just rescued from sin, though at least that, but brought into a a, a family relationship with the one who made us in his image. And he who came at Christmas died on Good Friday, and he was raised that first Easter Sunday. And that one who came at Christmas is coming again so that we might see him who is the true light in unveiled glory. And not for a moment, not for a season, but for all time and forevermore. Friends, this morning, knowing that at Christmas, the Word came to give the privilege of sonship, the privilege of being adopted sons and daughters of God to those who believe in Him. In light of this reality, in light of this truth, let us do what I think John wants us to do, which is to worship. To worship. Let us sing with joy. With John, the gospel writer and friend of Jesus, as he wrote later in his first letter to the church, words that we read this morning as we began service, see, see what kind of love the Father has given to us. That we, sinners as we are, that we should be called children of God. And so we are, he says to the church. Now the reason the world doesn't know us, says John, is that it didn't know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be, thinking forward to our resurrection, what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we'll be like him. Because we'll see him as he is. The true light who gives life to every man who gives light to every man, and who makes a son and a daughter of God to all who believe Him. Have you believed, friend? If so, worship. Lift your voice and praise to our great God who did this, who does this for us in Christ who was born at Christmas. Friend, have you not yet believed? We invite you to come into this life of joy and gladness and freedom from sin in knowing Jesus as Lord. We invite you to believe on Him today. Confess your sin to God and your need of a Savior and place your faith and trust in Jesus. We're going to sing a a, a song of of reflection and worship and meditation on, on God's Word as we go. But friend, if you came in this morning not believing and you now find yourself believing or desiring to believe this Jesus who can make you a son or a daughter of God, uh, I, 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 beg you, I invite you, come find me after our worship time this morning and let's talk about, let's talk together about how you can believe in this Jesus or about the faith that God has given you in Jesus this morning, whether you expected to have it or not, but let's rejoice in it together. Let us welcome you into his family of sons and daughters, the church. Let's pray together.